Welcome to another episode of the Command Team Corner. Today, we're welcoming to the show Chief Warrant Officer 5, Scott Gronowski, the Command Chief Warrant Officer for First Special Forces Command. In our conversation today, Chief Gronowski reflects on his numerous deployments to Afghanistan in light of the recent decision to end U.S. involvement there. So let's get to the show. Hey, so Chief, I'm glad to be able to sit down with you and have you on Command Team Corner podcast. So welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Our third group listeners probably know you very well with the vast majority of your career there in the in the tribe. But for our other listeners, can you tell us about the career you've had? Got in the Army originally in 89 after graduating high school. I then served in 2nd and 75th for a little bit. Failed miserably out of the 18 Delta course. So, you know, maybe a story on resilience someday. But uh, then became a ranger instructor in the Mount Phase Ranger School. Afterwards, I was in 1st to 503rd Scouts in Korea before going back through as an 18 Bravo. I got to third group in roughly 1998 and went from E6 to W5 in third group for the most part. Originally went to Afghanistan with third group. I want to say it was probably 2003 after graduating the warrant officer course and continued all the way. My last tour was in 2016. Served in all positions in third group from junior Bravo up to the, the command chief warrant officer until I started here as the command chief warrant officer. Well, we're happy to have you here in the command and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. So you mentioned deployments to Afghanistan over the years. I think you said the first one in 2003 and the last one in 2016. Seven deployments to Afghanistan? I believe so. Somewhere yeah, around there. It's yeah. quite, quite a few. You know, with the recent announcement about the withdrawal of troops for the conflict there, we wanted to bring you on the show to get your reflections on it, to kind of see what your thought process is after spending a large part of your career invested there in, in efforts there in Afghanistan. So can you kind of walk us through, once the announcement was made, kind of what your thought process was? Well, it's not only that. It's not only a large part of my career, but probably a large part of my adult life. A lot of our older guys, I grew up in Afghanistan, going back and forth, either training training for it or, or being there. So, But I think when the announcement came through, I was at this level more unemotional about it because I think I made my piece probably back in 2016 when I was there with uh, Colonel Jason Johnston and who's currently the third group commander and Brian Penrod and the guys. I think I made my piece then, you know, the year before they changed from Operation Enduring Freedom to Operation Freedom Sentinel. And so there's even sweatshirts probably in my closet that say last combat tour, which ended up being a joke, as you know, because to some degree, because first battalion turned from their uh, most recent tour not too long ago. So there's no such thing as a last tour. So hearing it, I, it was kind of unemotional. I've kind of made my peace, but then I, I've kind of looked around into some of my peers and, and kind of gave me a time to kind of reflect on it. You know, the interesting thing is when Afghanistan kicked off, you never think you're going to war. I told you about my career and coming up. It seemed like I was going to miss every conflict out there. And so the reason I kind of go to that to come forward is that to our guys now, a lot of our younger guys Afghanistan is their conflict and they may never get it now. And so I hope they don't think that your time's coming. You listen to the Sergeant Major podcast and they talk about real world missions or one Sergeant Major was asked about Afghanistan being the Super Bowl. And he's like, no, that's not the Super Bowl. This thing I'm about to do with great power competition, that's the Super Bowl. And so in my time, I missed Panama. I was in the Ranger indoctrination program, handing out ammo and then got put on leave. 
I then missed Desert Storm and Desert Shield because I was the second to 75th. At the time, we continued to train back here and, and get ready to go, but did not go. And then Somalia happened while I was in transition to be a ranger instructor. And so just never thought I was going to go anywhere. And then fast forward, I'm on a team. I'm training up for another unit that I was thinking about going to. And my warrant and team sergeant came to me and said that I was going to be the warrant on the team. So fast forward, I'm accepted. I'm in the warrant program, getting ready to start my class in the spring of 2002. Well, September 11th happens, right? And as a matter of fact, when September 11th happened, I was an E7 here in Fort Bragg going through, I believe, what we now call the senior leaders course back then was called ANOC. And so immediately graduation was canceled. Those of us who could went back to our units and started drawing ammo and preparing vehicles. For those of you who are new on Fort Bragg, you know, there weren't gates. And so the initial thing was drawing ammo, getting your gun trucks ready, and then protecting sensitive sites on Fort Bragg and coming up with plans to do that. And Afghanistan is not where we thought we were going originally. My team being a more mature team because of my leadership, we were geared up to go somewhere else in the world and thought that was going to happen. Well, then Afghanistan, the call to go to Afghanistan comes and my team sergeant, a team leader, my warrant, basically told me that I was going to go to the warrant course. And I said, oh, I'm not going to the warrant course because I was supposed to start in, I believe, April 2002. And I said, I'm not going to the warrant course. I'm, I'm going to Afghanistan. I'm not going to miss this. And they then said to me, no, you're going because there'll be plenty of war for you. There'll be plenty more rotations. You'll be fine. So you can skip this one. But we're going to be done after this and we're going to need you to lead the team. So that's what ended up happening. Adult leadership took over. They told me I had to go. And so I went and came back and I think about now, it might have been eight or nine rotations over there since. So, you know, to see it from what I consider the beginnings, training the second Kandak there in, in the middle of Kabul and having to go to the palace to, you know, just driving around in trucks with one or two other guys all over the countryside by yourself. You know, it's kind of a back to the future. We're talking about things we're doing, you know, having a lot of commander's intent. We're now talking about that in, in the environments we're operating in now. You would go out on patrol and you might just have Russian maps and we would go do whatever we had to do. And the only reports you were stopping at night to send reports up and it was data. And it was like last 24, next 24, next 72. And then you continued to do. But all you had was that commander's tent to get out the door and those communications is kind of what we're doing now. But you know, to see it go from there to the very beginnings to we got DA heavy for a while to being at the beginning of village stability operations to where we have gone today. It, it's been an interesting ride, but I don't know if some if a guy who was gearing up to go to Afghanistan right now would have the same experience as we did in 2003, four, five or whatever. So again, like I said, I've conditioned myself to where mm -hmm. I probably after that last rotation that I didn't really have an effect from the announcement, mm -hmm. but back to my original point of others may have, and I don't want them to feel like they're missing out on something. One of the things that I did pause to think about when, when the announcement came was the interesting thing about this is I can't think of another conflict where it's lasted long enough to where we fought and then your sons were coming and fighting in the same conflict. And so that's kind of the, the age and the, and the area with them in now is that I watched my peers who did multiple rotations and now they were sending their sons mm -hmm. to go fight in the same country. And so that's kind of a relief because I have a 16 year old kid myself and maybe he'll find his own adventure and, and not go there. I was reading something the other day and we were, we were talking about the uh, NPR reporter talking about Afghanistan. And says He was talking about a guy who answered and says something about when will it look just right for us to pull out? 
You know, we've had 20 years to get the right stage and so we can withdraw. But, you know, when are we going to be there? When's enough going to be enough? And so I say that to say I think about our Gold Star families and I think about those we've lost and that we'll never be able to replace those guys that we lost. At times like that, I try to think, what do our Gold Star families think about us leaving? Are they relieved? Are they are they happy with what we've done to remember to preserve the legacy and remember? Do they feel like you know their loss wasn't in vain? And so that that was probably my biggest concern, especially when I started looking around and knowing that we we're going to talk about this. Yeah, no, I appreciate that perspective and that history. It's 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 quite amazing. You you talk about fathers and sons in the same conflict, and I, I think it is truly uh, pretty unique. And it's an incredible part of our I think of our history and. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on people in our formation or people that you know or have talked to that may be frustrated by the decision to withdraw. You kind of mentioned the MP article. And are you hearing any of that kind of frustration of like, how do we leave our partners like that? And what would you say to someone that's maybe frustrated by the decision? It's about time. Like you pointed out, no, no wars ended without a political outcome, right? You know, we're not going to fight our way to an end. And that brings up another point, though, you kind of hit on that. There is a concern of partners and, and those that we're leaving behind. But that's always a concern after every rotation. I mean, every rotation when you leave and you come back and you find out that the people that you trusted, the people you worked with, lost their fight in their country. And that's always a concern. I think when we say we're going to pull out, I think, special operations, we're going to have involvement. And we'll be able to keep an eye on our partners and help them in the system. And then one of the things I think is probably one of the most gratifying things in my life was helping one of my interpreters to get out of there, right? And, and he is now a Green Beret in our formation and has returned on one of the deployments. And so it's a proud moment and something that I'm glad happened. And I'm glad he got to go there, go back home, if you will, see his family and get closure. His thoughts today, if he was here, are of course going to be with his family that's still there because his dad was a military officer in the Afghan army. His mom is a teacher. The rest of his family goes to school. So, But I go to people like that, you know, the officers, the NCOs that we worked with in the Afghan army and those partners, you know. Hopefully, we still have a play and a part, and, and we're taking care of them. But it's always a concern because every time you come back, you, you hear of a guy or you know somebody we knew who just didn't make it through your next rotation. That's an incredible story. Afghan that leaves the country, comes back, joins the Green Berets. Our motto of the oppressor liber, you know, and free the oppressed and to return to his home country. That's incredible. So thanks for sharing that with us, Chief. I did want to ask... You know, as we consider purpose and what would you say about the purpose for not only yourself, but maybe special forces or RSOF in general? You know, I kind of go back to that, the uh, the podcast with the SAR majors. That is probably one of my favorite ones, listening to that one, to hear them talk. Ever since I've been in, in special forces, I've had a purpose. My purpose wasn't necessarily tied to a country or to a conflict. It was always that challenge, talking about the real world mission, the, the competition against other ODAs or other soft elements to to get that real world mission, to be selected, to be trusted, to be picked for those real world missions is, is something that's always been my purpose. And if you away the combat of Afghanistan and you go back to my original point about my team was actually training up to go somewhere else because of they're recognized by their, their for their maturity, for their experience level. They were being picked for world world mission because they had the confidence, trust, and faith of the chain of command. And that's something I've always tried to do, whether it was going to Afghanistan to go do a mission. Hey, I wanted to be the team that got picked, right? I wanted to be the team that the commander trusted to go do the most difficult missions. And that's that was either whether it's Afghanistan or, you know, now it'd be Africa or anywhere else. You know, that's always been like the purpose is to 
compete and, and to, to be selected, you know, to have your team entrusted with those sensitive missions and those things, Mm -hmm. you know, combat just happened to be an outcome of some of those things, but the ability to be picked, to be selected, to train and have that recognized is always kind of been the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. And the missions that Arsoff never really left, but are really kind of returning to in full force now with competition kind of globally, 70 countries, thousands of our folks deployed on any given day in 70 plus countries competing with adversaries. That mission is is complex. It's ambiguous. It can maybe be a little bit hard to kind of wrap your head around a little bit. And I'm not going to say Afghanistan was the it was an easy conflict, but maybe a little bit less ambiguous in some cases, in some ways, than kind of what we're facing now. I'm just wondering your thoughts on kind of as, for instance, as Third Group gets continues to get more regional aligned back to to Africa, and we kind of see get back to regionally alignment and and really uh, being able to be more persistently engaged with our partners around the world. How do you see that that kind of shift to competition in terms of our purpose and our soft and kind of, you know, and wrapping our head around this problem? And that was even something probably my most proudest moments and successes, whether it was in combat, were that with partners. And the great thing about, for example, third or even any of the other groups now is is the competence level of their partners out there and the ability to get so much more done. When you start Afghanistan, you know, the illiteracy rate created some challenges with your partners, right? And taking people off the street and, and creating an army, that, that was quite quite a challenge. But here, I'm kind of jealous of, of these other units or even third group guys now who get to go to Africa and work with partners that are already established, already have an established army, who already have training, who already have equipment. It may not be the best equipment, at least they've got something. I mean, when we started out, it was a yard sale of stuff you were giving the Afghan army. And so for these guys to have the ability to train with almost even peers or near peers as partners is just an incredible opportunity. And that's something that in this environment of competition is where we make our money is nobody else is bringing the partners with us. I can bring in 18 guys. I can bring, you know, to go hit something, right? But I can bring in my couple hundred partners to help me with that same problem set and help guide them and, and, and provide them an advantage that they need to do the mission. That's even better. Mm-hmm. So. Chief, the last question I have for you today is you had kind of mentioned before about some of the younger guys in the force now being worried about chasing the combat toward Afghanistan as we close it down. But what would you say about our force and and the thought of, you know, a warrior mindset, a warrior spirit and things like that? Like that's still a thing, right? I mean, just competition doesn't mean you, know, you can't go into a country without being tactically, technically proficient at what you do, an utmost expert in combat, you can't go into somewhere and expect to be able to train partners, especially at the level that you just mentioned. So what's the kind of the role of the term? I don't know, have a better term for it, but warriors. I, mean, I guess the good thing for guys who gone to combat, if you will, right? And, and actually were engaged in combat. It answered the call of something inside them. Could they or would they do it when they were called upon to do it? You know, it's you know, going back to the football analogy of earlier, you know, you practice for a football game and then the playoffs come. Are you going to perform? And so through the years, people have been able to see that in one way or another combat. But I don't know if Afghanistan was or is that place or has it been that place for a while? Just because of as we've moved towards the political solution, the way we've done things and the way we've worked by with and through our partners has changed and to include the way we work through the government there. So, again, probably what we're looking at is, is our grit. 
our resiliency and how else do we get there without a fight for right now? I mean, is it, it's through tough, realistic training, right? Challenging ourselves to push things, to, to not be afraid to have an outside look from others. If you train on the same thing every day and, and train what you're comfortable at, then how are you going to get better? Okay. Well, chief, uh, I think we're about out of time for today. I really, really appreciate your perspective and your reflection. Someone, as you, in your own words, have spent much of your adult life in Afghanistan. And as we begin to withdraw and uh, come to the political solution there, I think one of the things that's important is just for folks to realize that frustration or mixed feelings and being concerned and all these kind of feelings are perfectly okay to have and they're normal. And for people, that probably means that you care about and you have passion for your profession. I'll give the last word to you, Chief. But again, I appreciate you joining us today. Everybody's going to have a different opinion. Everybody's going to have different feelings on the ending Afghanistan. And none of them are right or none of them are wrong, right? They're just, they are what they are. And it's going to be at, at a time in space where you are and where you are in life. And so everybody's going to deal with this announcement a little bit differently. Everybody's going to process it, if you will, in their own. And that's just what we've got to do. And everybody's going to have a different opinion. But at the end of the day, if it's a better solution for Afghanistan and it's a better solution for us and it's a better solution for the world, then, hey, that's what we're going to go with. But, you know, how, how much wins too much enough and when will we be satisfied? And so I, I think we're there and we just got to continue to honor our fallen and take care of their families and take care of our wounded and, and carry on with the mission and the mission we have at hand. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you'd like to see addressed by the Command Team, let us know on the Commander's Blog located on the First Special Forces Command's portal page or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.